You're listening to a message from Pastor Jack Holt at the River. Today's message, I'm going to be ministering to you on the topic of elevated to win. And as we begin to talk about the resurrection of Christ, the power there is, I want you to understand that maybe you've been in a low spot this year. Maybe it's been very difficult for you and it's hard for you to see yourself above the problem. But as we begin to talk about the resurrection of Christ, I believe it's going to begin to elevate you. Where you're going to be able to see over the problem rather than being underneath the problem. My Bible is very clear. It says this. It says that whenever God raises someone up, it's always for the purpose that his will would reign in their life. When God raised up Moses, it was for the purpose that he would deliver the the nation of Israel. And not only deliver them out of slavery, but deliver them into an abundant life. When God raises up Esther as queen, she was raised up to deliver God's people from those who were trying to exterminate the Jewish population. There's always a victory or dominion that comes when someone's raised up. When Jesus was rose up, it was so that the church could rule and reign while he's absent on this earth amen and i want to strengthen you with that today so if you would or if you don't have your bibles look on the screen ephesians 2 verse 4 through 7 here's some really exciting verses look what it says but god who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us even when we were dead in trespasses made us alive together with christ by grace you have been saved raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in christ jesus now watch the next part that in the ages that greek word ages means generations to come he might show the exceedingly riches of his grace and his kindness towards us in christ jesus now here's the part i want you to see about this we know that jesus came and died for our sins on the cross and that god rose him up on the third day but why did he raise him up just so that he would be victorious no he raised him up so that we would be victorious let let me show you something and i want you to follow this follow this line of thought when the word became flesh remember through the virgin birth jesus came into this world god put on himself humanity remember that well what what jesus was doing is representing what the bible calls the last adam the first adam was the head of all mankind and the, the first adam in the garden of eden sinned and lost his dominion because of that sin jesus came back to restore what was lost in the garden of eden he's the last adam which means there's not going to be anyone after him and he came and god put on human flesh he was tempted in all points like us without sin but yet he went to the cross for us so that he could bear our our sins and when god rose him up on the third day what he rose up was not jesus deity he rose up jesus humanity in other words when jesus was raised from the dead god took a humanity and raised it back up to the initial place that god had called him to in genesis 1 26 where god had said i give you dominion or authority over all my creation he raised him up for that and the good news is this that god through christ jesus has given us the ability to prevail in our life has given us the ability to win in our life has given us the ability to reign over our mountains over the sickness and disease and poverty and all that in our lives 
To me, the resurrection is all of that. And it's not just Jesus being raised from the dead. It's we were made to sit with him in Christ Jesus next to the right hand of the Father. So you may be struggling today, but I'm trusting that this message is going to fire up your faith. It's going to fire up your belief. It's going to fire up the fire that's within inside of you. A lot of Christians are in the slumber mode. They don't realize what they have in Christ. They don't realize that the resurrected Christ is inside of them. They don't realize that they're more than conquerors. They don't realize that they're the head and not the tail. And because of that, life is overwhelming them. Well, we're going to change that today. Say amen. amen. Because he is the resurrected Christ. Now, here's what I've learned over the years. I've learned that the way I use my faith in this life will determine the rewards I get in the life to come. Jesus says, I go to prepare a place for you. That was after the rest. He said, when I'm raised from the dead, I'm going to be preparing a place for you. So what I do here in this life will determine my eternal rewards that I receive later in life. Let me give you a story that kind of paints this picture, and you can see it a little bit better. It's a story of an old master carpenter. Now, I was in, before I went into ministry, I, I did carpentry. I can appreciate this illustration. A master carpenter, because I actually worked with one. And this guy was so good, he did such quality work. But he was getting aged, older, and him and his wife had talked about it, and they decided they were going to retire. So he went to his boss and he said, listen, I, I appreciate all the years that you've been supporting us and the wages that I received, but, you know, me and my wife, we, we want to just take it easy for a while and live on easy street. So we're going to retire. And uh, the boss said, could you just do one more thing for me before you retire? Could you finish one more home? He said, sure, I'll finish one more home. And this is a massive, big home, big mansion that they were building. But what happened with this last home was unique. This master carpenter who always used the best wood, who always did the best stuff, who always did a high level of excellence, he had lost the wind in his sail because he knew he was about ready to retire. And so he was just barely doing it, doing a shabby job, and just not doing a really great job. Instead of using the best wood, he used the cheap wood, but finally they finished this house the inspectors came in inspected it and gave the keys to the boss and then the boss walks up to him and says I'm giving you this house for your retirement now what would have he done if he would have known that the house he was working on was the one that he would be living in for the rest of his life I wonder wonder how we would act if we knew that the house that we're building right now is the one that we're going to live out in the life to come I wonder what would happen if we used our faith and began to realize that listen what I'm doing right now is going to count for eternity and if I do a good job here it's going to be an eternity a, a level of blessing that will suit hallelujah i don't want to have the little shack down the street in heaven i want to have the big mansion down the street amen but it's not going to be because you draw back it's because you're going to fully engage and take hold of the power of god today in the church come on take hold of it and say jesus i want to soar in your righteousness i want to soar in your authority i want to soar in your power Hallelujah. There's a power in this, my friend.
that will help you exceed far beyond what you can ever imagine. I'm going to share with you some truth today that should get you excited and very grateful for what God has done for us. Look here, if you would, put up on the screen the next verse. This is in John 12, and this is a verse that oftentimes we mistake in it to think it's talking about the resurrection, but it's talking about being elevated or lifted up on the cross. It's not talking about the resurrection. It's talking about being elevated uh, on the cross. He says this, And I, if I am lifted up, better translation would be, and when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. Now look at the next verse. This he said, signifying by what death he would die. So he's talking about the cross. He's not talking about his resurrection from the dead. Now I want to share what he's talking about. He said, listen, when I get lifted up on the cross, because I'm going to take all the judgment of all the sins in the world upon myself, I'll be able to draw you onto myself, which is to draw you onto God. In other words, I'm going to take the blunt of the judgment of sin upon my body. My body is going to be judged so that you can be free. There won't be any more condemnation because it's going to come on me. There's not going to be any more shame because it's going to come on me. And then I'm going to be able to draw you into the kingdom. I'm going to be able to draw you into the grace of God. I'm going to be able to draw you into the abundant life. I'm going to, come on, church, come on, come on. I'm going to draw you into it. Now, I don't know if you're, if you're like Joyce and I, but during the holidays, something happens sometimes where we, my wife comes to me and says, honey, don't buy me anything else. We're almost at the limit of our credit card. And uh, she says, I got I to gotta pay some of that off or we were not going to be able to buy any more presents. That's the way God did you on the cross. You had this credit card with all this debt, with all this sin, with all this stuff that you've done in your life, and Jesus said, all right, no problem. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pay for it on the cross so that now your credit card is his empty, praise God, and you can ask for and you can believe for whatever you want because I am taking the penalty of your sins upon me. You are debt-free. Now your credit card is expanded. It's unlimited. Hallelujah. And it isn't just your sins up to salvation. It's your sins after salvation. Woo. Boy, when I saw that, I got so excited to realize that God would remove the debt in my life. When I gave my life to Jesus, I remember it was so beautiful because I was a very angry person before I got saved. I was so angry that I, I, would always, I was always cussing and swearing. I always wanted to get into fights. I was just always like that. And after I got saved, I didn't know how to swear anymore. And my heart was completely changed. It was like uh, this weight lifted off me. And for the first time in my life, I was free. Hallelujah. I said, hallelujah. Now, some of you may say, well, pastor, you know, that's great. Jesus paid the price for me. But let me tell you how painful the price was for Jesus on the cross. If you're a little squirmish at this point, you may get a little bit worse. Because the price that Jesus paid on the price is so, so terrible that it makes me want to cash in on everything that God has promised without reservation. The Bible said he was bruised for our iniquity. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. 
and by his stripes we were healed in other words the soldiers scourged jesus they didn't just whip him there's a difference between whipping and scourging in the bible when you whip someone you just take a a, a lash or whatever or a stick and you hit them it leaves welts whatever but scourging is different in fact it is so much different that the roman empire if you were a roman citizen no one could ever scourge you if you did it could be a capital offense that's why the book of acts the apostle paul he was scourged until they realized he was a roman citizen and paul said you better come back here and apologize to me or i'm going to turn you in they all came back and said we're sorry we're sorry we're sorry scourging was different than whipping and when the bible says that by his stripes we're healed keep in mind what that is the jews when they would whip someone would would go 39 times no more the romans had no limits how often they how many times they would scourge you when you scourge someone they used leather straps some people think it's the cat of nine tails it's probably four leather straps five leather straps we don't really know but on those leather straps was bone fragments and metal so the scourging was designed to lacerate the, the, the back it wasn't designed just to bruise it they, when, you, when a person was scourged it was always in connection with crucifixion it meant death and many people would just die from the scourging and they, they, would, they would lacerate their back with this whip all the way from the shoulders down to the buttocks of the person and literally the flesh would be tore off their bodies this is what it means that Jesus bore our sicknesses and disease it says himself took up our infirmities and carried away our diseases now what does he mean carried away because what happened after he was crucified or excuse me when he was scourged the Romans said I want you to carry this 250 pound cross to your death so he threw that on his back and carried that cross along with the thorn and thrones put on his head you remember those thorns I've checked into them they're three inches long which means they were pounded down into his skull and he was bearing your iniquities your sicknesses your diseases the curse on his body all the way up to his crucifixion and then to make matters worse they they took nails and nailed his hands and his feet to that cross and then put him up so that he could publicly be humiliated i know when you see crucifixions it shows you know a little diaper on him they had no diaper he was stark naked he was put to shame so that we would never have to be put to shame hung on that cross and you would have thought that was enough but it wasn't while he's on the cross there he cries out Eli Eli which by the way is Aramaic Jesus had three languages Aramaic Greek Hebrew Aramaic was the one he used all the time which means my God my God why how's thou forsaken me and the bible said darkness came over the over the earth at that time and jesus for the first time in his life had experienced a spiritual separation on the cross from god that to me is more suffering 
than the physical part. But he had to taste death, every part of it for you. And he felt that on the cross. And then the Bible says towards the end that Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what to do. It would have been me. I said, Father, bring down fire. But aren't you glad I'm not Jesus? <laughs> Jesus loves us so much that he died for us. He loves you so much that he gave it all for you. He had heaven. Everything was all created by him and for him. He's already head over everything. He came down here to bring you up there. He'd come down here so that you could win. He came down here to destroy everything that sin and death had brought into this world. He came down here for you. No one else. You. And in those final moments on the cross, he breathed his last breath and said, it is finished. I commend my spirit to you. And you would have thought that would have enough. But the Bible says that he who ascended, descended to the lower regions of the earth and his spirit went down to a place called paradise. Because you remember on the cross, the one thief that had repented and Jesus said, today you'll be with me in paradise. He went down to this, this section in the unknown world that God would keep the Old Testament saints that sins were covered but not removed. Jesus talks about it in a parable and he says there's a certain man. It's not fictional, it is a true story. There was a certain man, a rich man and, and, and a man, a beggar, Lazarus, who died and went down and he was in the upper chambers of paradise and there's a gulf in between paradise and Hades or Shalom, or not Shalom, uh, uh, hell. And, and the people in hell are tormented until the final judgment and then they stand before God and Jesus talks about that and that thing so Jesus waited in paradise until the resurrection of Christ he had to be three days and three nights in the, in the belly of the earth death held him but death couldn't keep him couldn't keep him because he was without sin on the third day, God spoke, or however he did it, and Jesus was raised from the dead, and the Bible said he was the firstborn from the dead. And then from then on, people accept Christ, and they're the second, and the third, and the fourth, and we share in his victory. As soon as he was born again, the Bible said that he descended in the lower regions of the abyss and preached to the fallen angels that had left their posts during the time of Noah. During the time of Noah, here's what happened. During the time of Noah, they tried to corrupt the seed of man so that Christ could not come. And I almost believe Jesus came down there and said na, 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 na. I made it you didn't stop me God won say amen. amen and then he ascended up on high with all authority and power and every angel every angel submitted himself every power of darkness submitted to himself the Bible said that Satan was stripped of his power on the cross stripped of his power and it said that Christ triumphed in this triumph in this it's a term used that when you beat an army or defeat an army in your life it, 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 
it says that you triumph and it meant that the enemy that was fighting against you you would cut off their their thumbs and their toes that meant they no longer could fight they no longer could fight against you that the battle was already won that's what the resurrection of Christ means and there's a term in the word that I love it said that he led captives captives and you'll find it in Ephesians they'll probably put it on the screen there but it actually comes from the book of Judges and what it was describing it was the nation of Israel when they were under bondage of their enemies and God delivered them from it and they were delivered not only from their enemies but they brought their enemies into captivity Satan has been bound Satan has been stopped can you say amen the only power that he has is deception his power has been broken over your life his power has been broken over your family the only power that he has is deception and what we got to do is get into the word and stand up and say Lord give me revelation give me the insight let me see what belongs to me in Christ Jesus so I can prevail so that I can be all you called me to be Man, that's the power of this resurrection. It's not an ordinary resurrection. It's a resurrection where all authority in heaven and earth is given to Jesus. When you get born again, you're raised up in him. You become the body of Christ. Everything is far below your feet. The problem is we don't believe it. The problem is we don't always receive it. But yet that's what the Bible promises is ours in Christ. I think we ought to give God a praise, praise break right now. Praise you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Give him a praise break. Give him a praise break. Thank him for his mercy. Thank him for his power. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for delivering us, Lord. Woo. Thank you, Lord. Let me show you one of my favorite verses, Romans 8, 37. Look at this. Put it on the screen, Romans 8, 37. Yet in all these things, say all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. He didn't say out of all these things, out of financial stress, out of sickness and disease, out of problems. It said in all these things we are more than conquerors paul got the revelation even in jail he was more than a conqueror even when he was shipwrecked he's more than a conqueror even when he was being beheaded he was more than a conqueror i want to tell you what more than a conqueror means one of the best illustrations i heard of this is an old boxer he was doing a prize fight this prize fight involved millions of dollars if he won and he told his wife, he said, if I do this, I'm going to have to train like I've never trained before. So he decides, wife says, go ahead and do it. And so he trains and trains and trains and trains. And the night comes and he has to go into the arena and fight. And his wife says, I'm going to stay home. I just don't want to see you get beat up. I know you're going to win, but I just don't want to see you get hurt. So he goes off to the fight and he goes the whole 10 rounds. I mean, his eyes are beat up and swollen his ribs hurt or whatever but right towards that last thing he cold cocks this guy and he's knocked out cold and he wins the prize he comes back to the home and he had a favorite chair in the living room and he goes and he sits down his wife said how did you do he said i won 
She said, well, where's the prize money? He says, I got it right here. It's a check for $8 million. She walked by and grabbed it and walked off. She's more than a conqueror. We are more than a conqueror because we didn't do anything. He's the one that did the fighting. He's the one that stood in faith. He's the one that defeated the devil. He's the one that gave us the victory. It was Jesus. Praise God. All we're doing is cashing in on what Jesus did for us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I said, hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, my, 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 my. Think about the power in this resurrection that God gave us. And, you know, I've had people over the years say things like this. Well, Pastor Jack, he talks too much about receiving and not enough about giving. Let me tell you something. Everything that Jesus gave on that cross was so I would receive it. I'm going to receive healing because he, he died for healing. I'm going to receive the blessing of Abraham because he died so that I might have the blessing of Abraham. I'm going to receive the power to move mountains because he died to give us the power to remove mountains. I'm not going to waste any of his inheritance, any of the things that God has given us. I'm not going to waste it. He died on that cross for us. He was held by death until death couldn't hold him anymore and he broke free i want to make sure i use it all i don't want to undersell it and you know what i love about the story about jesus when he goes when he descends before he ascends he didn't leave anybody behind he didn't leave abraham behind he didn't leave Isaac behind. God won't leave any of us behind if we're born again. Even in the rapture when he comes back, those that are alive at that moment will be raptured. But you know who precedes them when the trumpet is blown? Those who died before him. In other words, God will not leave anyone behind. He's not going to leave your kids behind if they make Jesus Lord and Savior of their life. He's not going to leave your husband behind if he makes Jesus Lord and Savior of his life. He's not going to, come on, leave your friends behind if they make Jesus Lord and Savior. Woo, man. There's so much power in this that I'm going to share with you a truth that to me is one of the greatest truths of the new birth on what happens when you believe. Look at this in Revelation 26. Look at this blessed verse. Blessed and holy is he who has part in the first resurrection. Now, let me tell you what the first resurrection is. We just read it. In, in Ephesians 2, 4 through 6. That's the first resurrection. When you surrender to Christ and you make him Lord and Savior, there's a spiritual resurrection that occurs. And here's what it says. Blessed and holy is the or he who has part of the first resurrection over such the second death has no power but they shall be priests of God in Christ and shall reign with him for a thousand years. A thousand years just means unlimited time. Now, I want you to see this. He says that the second death will have no power over us if we are part of the first resurrection. Now, think about this. 
You say, what's the second death? The second death is found in the book of Revelation, in the last, or the second to the last chapter, when those who died in Christ appear before what they call the judgment throne of God, the great white throne of judgment. And the Bible said the books are opened and people are judged according to how they lived in their life. I did good there, I did bad there, and they're judged. So it proves to me that in the place of torment, there is degrees of punishment. And they, they go through on what a person did and did not do in his life. And then it says this, another book is brought out. This is the book of the Lamb. And it said that if anyone's name was not found in that book, they were cast into the lake of fire. This is different than hell as we think of it right now. The lake of fire is the second death. It's the second death is to spend an eternity separated from God in a place of torment determined by what you did in this earth. And listen, they're not there because of their sin. They're there because they reject Christ. They're not there because they failed. They're there because they failed to receive their Savior, Christ. God didn't say, if you're so good, you go to heaven. He said, no, 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 no. You accept me, I will take care of the sin problem. You make me Lord and Savior of your life, I'll remove the sin in your life. There will be no more eternal separation. As I preach today, there's some that are experiencing it temporary spiritual separation right now I trust that God will open your eyes that I've been blinded to the light I've been blinded to the fact that I got to quit doing my own thing and I need to come to Jesus I need to have a come to Jesus moment in my life where I said Lord you're going to be my Lord in my life and you're going to be my Savior that's the way I was I was raised in church I was raised in church we used to go to church every week I was spiritually dead I was spiritually dead because I thought you could go to heaven simply because you joined in a domination just because someone dunked you in the tank or sprinkled water on you the reality is you're not saved by that. You're saved by a point in your life when you come to the end of yourself and you say, God, you're going to be Lord of my life. I'm not going to do my own thing anymore. I'm going to let you direct my life. I'm submitting to you as Lord and Savior. And with a mouth, confession is made unto salvation. If you can't say Jesus is Lord in, out in the world, you'll never say Jesus is Lord in heaven. And I'll tell you what, when I got saved, I was at that place. My life's going nowhere. I'm not happy. I tried these drugs, tried these drugs. I'm not happy. 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 I'm, I'm empty inside. There's got to be more to life than this. And God revealed himself to me. I gave my life to Christ. And I was born again. Come on, give God praise. So I don't fear death. I don't fear the great white throat judgment. I don't fear it because I've had part of the first resurrection. 
I know my name's been written in the Lamb's Book of Life. I know that the only thing I got to look forward to is heaven, not damnation, not torment. I know in the church we don't talk about lake of fire. We don't talk about it anymore because we don't want to offend anybody. But if I don't take the chance of offending you, you will never give your life to Christ and you'll walk in that blindness all your life. Hallelujah. Jesus set us free from the clutches of death. The death of blindness where you can't see. The spiritual death that people walk in this world, walk around, act like they're spiritual. Oh, you know, I've got my this and I've got my that. You, you're blind. Your insides are dark. But the good news of the gospel is this. Whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Hallelujah. He didn't say, oh, come to me if you've been pretty good in your life. No, he picks the worst, hallelujah, because the worst know they need saving. People that are not that worst don't think they need saving, but everybody needs saving. Everybody needs the Christ. Everybody needs the resurrection power of Jesus to free them from the clutches of the devil. Everyone needs it. Everyone needs it. I'm going to give you a couple verses as I wind this down. 1 John 4, 17. Listen to the verse. As he is, so are you in this world. Notice what it doesn't say. He's talking about believers here. He says, as he was in this world, so are you in this world. He didn't say that. He said, as he is right now, Jesus, seated in heavenly places, with all authority and power invested in him, as he is, so are you in this world. Colossians 3, 1 says this, Set your mind on things above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. You know what I've seen in the church today? A lot of Christians that have been so abused by a lack of love, by disappointment, or by the science or by the oppression that our culture is feeling right now from all around us. Whether it's from the self-made governing laws of governors who don't know Jesus or the declaration of scientists that don't know the science, we've all felt oppressed. Our freedoms have been robbed from us. A lot of Christians are not where they should be. They don't sense that victory that we should have because of the resurrection of Christ. One of my favorite verses in Psalms 103, verse 5, it says this. It says, I will satisfy your mouth with good things and renew your, renew your youth like the eagles. I'm going to relate to you a story that I believe is prophetic and is a story that is for this generation right now. It's a story of a, a preacher. He was in the Ozarks preaching, and he had this reputation of preaching on eagles. If you ever study your Bible a lot, you'll find that Christians are associated with eagles. It's used in Scripture quite often. And he had this sermon about eagles, what eagles actually do, and so forth. 
people from all over would come, especially in the Ozarks, because all the eagles that are there. And they wanted to hear what he had to say about eagles. Well, one night he got done preaching, and afterwards this old Native American Indian came up to him. And he said, I came to hear about the eagles, but you missed a few points, and I'd love to show you what you missed about eagles. Of course, the preacher was excited about it, and so they made an appointment. The next day, he'd pick them up in their pickup, and they drove up in the mountains. And as they were going up in the mountains there, they came to this little valley. And he pulled the pickup up, they got out of the car and went out, and there was uh, three or four eagles just standing there in this little valley area. And then he saw something that grabbed his attention. It was little crosses in the ground. And the preacher said, what are those for? He says, those are for the dead eagles. He said, what do you mean the dead eagles? He said, this valley is the place where eagles that get weary as they get older and they they don't want to hunt anymore and and they go through what they call a, a, a molting process and or a moping process, if I can make it simpler, where they get new feathers and their body is renewed but that takes fasting to do so and he said the ones that died were the ones that didn't feed during the multi process and the preacher said to him he said well how how do they eat if they're not hunting he said the younger ones that soar will drop off food for them and the ones that eat live and the ones that don't die. And he said, let me show you something about these eagles. And they were, they were, they were, they were you know, a little distance away. And he said, just come with me and I want you to pick up one of those eagles in the valley. He said, I'm not going to say that eagle, man. He could kill me. He said, no, they're, they're docile. They've given up. And he went over and he picked up this eagle and put it in his hand. So you see, they're, they're docile. They won't do anything right now. There's no fight left into them. I feel like in the church, there's people that the fight's gone. It's not there. And so he set the eagle back down, and then he said, I want you to take these binoculars, and you see that big crack up in the, on the crevice there by the, by the mountain there? That's where the eagles live. And he said, I want you to focus in on the, the beak of the eagle. Look, look at the beak of the eagle. And these are really big binoculars that really were well. And he looked and he said, you know, something unique about the beak, their, their beaks are wet and something's dripping off their beak. And he said, that's not water, that is tears from their eyes. He said, the eagle, when it is in the windstorms and so forth, their eyes water, eye ducts. They water to protect their eyes in storms and wind, and their eyes don't dry out that way. But he says when they're in the valley, the eye ducts dry up. And I know what he's talking about. I know what it's like when the pressure and the hardships hit you so hard and you 
you start to lose faith in people and, and start to lose faith in love and you start to lose faith in, in what happened and, and you've, been, you've been abused, you've been lied at, people have spoken to you and, and said horrible things to you, you've been betrayed and, and your heart gets hard and, and you, you don't, your heart is not sensitive anymore and you can't remember the last time that you wept over someone that didn't know Jesus. You can't remember the last time you, you were broken, the last time that, that, that you, 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 Here's what I wanted, here's what God wants me to tell you. If you're in the valley, you won't get out of the valley unless you feed from those that soar. You're not going to get out of the valley if you're listening to people that don't believe in healing, that don't believe in prosperity, that don't believe in breakthrough, that don't believe in the power of God. You're not going to be able to get out of it. But if you would just say, preacher, tell me someone that's been delivered, I want to hear them. Tell me someone that's been healed, I want to hear them. Tell me someone that had their mortgage paid off, I want to hear them. Tell me someone that a miracle has happened in their life, I want to hear them, Lord. I want to hear them. That's why I'm preaching this today. Because I'm soaring. God's delivered me. God set me free. And I'm telling you, it works. I'm telling you that God won't leave you abandoned. God won't leave you defeated. God won't leave you without. God is your sword. He is your rear card. Oh, my, 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 my. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thanks for listening today. For more messages like this one, check out our podcast, River App, and our website at theriver.church. We're the river, and we're doing life together.